I'm going to read to you the passage that um, Dick Hawthorne is going to preach on today. It started where I started at the beginning of the service. And this is where it continues too. So I'll read the first part again just so that we can get the context. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with each other as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they're all full of new wine. (laughs) But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what the spoken by prophet Joel And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservant and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you. It's good to see folks along today. And uh, it's uh, great to be able to just uh, celebrate the presence of the Lord in our midst. And uh, with so many family members uh, uh, home as well, and that's uh, very good, and uh, the visitors as well. I'm very pleased to uh, see you all here. And um, it is a special day, isn't it, um, on the, the church calendar, uh, the day of Pentecost, and uh, the life of Peter, of course, uh, comes into, into full view in, uh, at Pentecost. So we're going to, this morning, have a a uh, pretty quick flight through the uh, life of, uh, of Peter, the man who fell but rose again. And uh, 
So we're going to look at, uh, at the life of Peter through uh, Peter the fisherman, Peter the disciple of Jesus, Peter's confession, Peter's denial, Peter's commissioned, uh, Peter the commissioned, and Peter the writing. Uh, we're right. We're going to uh, uh, land on uh, Peter's denial and commission and spend a little time there, and then uh, take off again for the rest of the story. So, uh, yes, uh, Peter's home for a start was uh, was up in. Uh, Bethsaida up here in the north of Sea of Galilee. And then later on, he, he lived down at Capernaum uh, down there. And uh, he, was, uh, he was a fisherman there in uh, Capernaum. And Capernaum was the place where Jesus frequently stayed during his Galilean ministry. Uh, Andrew was Peter's brother, and uh, both were fishermen. And they were partners in... Uh, the fishing business with Zebedee and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, uh, who uh, were called the Sons of Thunder. Uh, that might speak something about their characters, I think. Um, but we, we remember also that Peter returned to fishing after Jesus' resurrection. So then we're on to uh, Peter, uh, the uh, disciple of Jesus. And uh, Peter had come from Capernaum and he came right down here to Bethany. And uh, there he uh, was a disciple of John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist was that voice in the wilderness calling the nations of Israel to repent uh, for the kingdom of God was at hand. Google Earth tells me that uh, from, Beth, from uh, up here, Capernaum, Bethside, up that area down to Bethany, was uh, 130 kilometres as the crow flies, but uh, meandering along the, um, the Jordan Valley, it would have been something like the distance between uh, here and Bendigo or Harcourt, something in that uh, thing and there, there was there was no train in those days and no motor cars and it's interesting that Peter should be coming right down from his fishing business way down to Bethany as a disciple of John uh, and uh, there um, Peter first met Jesus uh, there at Bethany where uh, John uh, baptised Jesus. Uh, you can read about that in John 1 and verses 32 to, 40, uh, 32 to 42. Uh, later, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Peter and Andrew and called them to follow him. And immediately they left their fishing nets and followed. <clears throat> so what a start to, uh, to discipleship. Um, called to repentance, a follower of John the Baptist, knowing Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry of miracles and of teaching the kingdom of God. Such a wonderful start to, uh, to discipleship. And then we come to Peter's uh, confession. Peter's confession. There was a stage in Jesus' ministry, and we read about this in uh, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, 
A stage in Jesus' ministry when he asked the disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And the disciples answered, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus came right in close and he says, but who do you say that I am? And I think that's a question that each of us need to confront sometimes. Who do you say that I am? Jesus addresses us. And Peter comes forth and he confesses. He owns this statement and this is his. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. The Christ, the son of the living God. Not some god of Greek mythology or philosophy, but the living God. And this was a great distinction that Peter had made uh, in the day in which he lived. Jesus was the son of the living God. And that was a great confession that Peter made. And it was upon the fact that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God, that the church was established. And uh, this is what we believe. This is the key thing that we believe as Christians, that Christ was the son of the living God. And then we come to Peter's denial. This was the sad part in, in Peter's life. So much was going for him such in the discipleship in his early life of knowing the Lord Jesus. But then he comes to deny Jesus. Just prior to that denial, Jesus challenges his disciples to faithfulness as he takes his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane and... um, Peter and James and John particularly are asked to go with him a little further into the Garden of Gethsemane to be with him in prayer. They struggled to stay awake while Jesus prayed. And maybe this is something we've experienced from time to time, trying to stay awake while people pray sometimes. Um, I was caught out once, a fair while ago now, just after marriage and uh, we were preparing for uh, work in the mission field and I was working in Melbourne and Dorothy was working at um, Margaret Cole's hospital at the time and, and uh, she, was, she sometimes was on late, uh, late shift and come home rather late and uh, one night she came home to the place we were staying with, uh, staying at in uh, West Brunswick and uh, and she was knocking on the door and she couldn't get any answer and she looked in through the crack in the window and she saw me kneeling beside the bed with my head on the bed, God to sleep while I was praying. <laughs> so it's not a good thing to go to sleep while, you're, while somebody else is praying while, and while you're praying. Not a good time. But sometimes we struggle to stay awake. But then after Jesus had prayed, the mob came and arrested Jesus. 
But when they did come, Peter shows some bravery, albeit not uh, approved by Jesus, by cutting off the ear of a servant of the high priest. Jesus immediately healed the high priest's ear. But then Jesus is led away. He's led away to the, um, to the uh, house of the high priest. And uh, some of the pavement very near the uh, high priest's uh, place there in, uh, in, in Jerusalem. Uh, so much of that area was paved by the Romans and this is a little section probably not very far away from where the fire of coals was that uh, Peter stood by. And some of the, uh, just a close-up of those um, uh, those uh, striated uh, stone pavement, about three metres below the present level of the uh, Jewish quarter of the city of uh, Jerusalem, going back about 2,000 years, just somewhere near this where Peter warmed himself while Jesus faced the interrogation before the high priest. I can sympathise with Peter to a certain extent, um, wanting to warm himself because... Um, uh, when I was in Jerusalem back in, uh, in March, um, out here in this very courtyard, it was six degrees, raining and windy. It would have been nice to have a fire. But that wasn't the issue here as far as Peter was concerned. Jesus was wanting the disciples to be near him. But no, Peter stayed back at the fire. And three times Peter denied the Lord Jesus as he warmed himself by that fire. And we can read in, in John and uh, chapter 18 about this, this denial. And Simon, verse 15 of chapter 18, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did the other disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. The other, then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Then the servants and officers who had made a coal of fire, a fire of coals, stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And the high priest asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. And Jesus answered him, I spoke openly in the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always met. And in secret, I've said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And then he said to these, 
And then he had, and when he had said these things, one of the officers stood by and struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, If you have spoken, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? And Ananias sent him bound, uh, bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Then Peter denied again, and immediately a cock crowed. So there was Peter. And the Bible tells us that Peter went out and wept. Then there follows Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection on the third day. And Peter was one of the first to see the empty tomb. There was Mary Magdalene and and John and then Peter. And Peter was one who went into the into the tomb and saw that the grave clothes were, were uh, there and the, the uh, napkin that was around the head of Jesus was there folded in its place and it's known amongst the, the Jewish, Jewish people these days that uh, when, when they have a, uh, a meal and that sort of thing meeting together when the head of the house folds his napkin, his serviette, and leaves it on the table and goes away, they know he's coming back. He's coming back to take his place at the table. I'm not sure that Peter might, have, might not have known about this when he saw the folded napkin where the head of Jesus had been. But we can think along with the Jewish community in the tradition that they have that yes, Jesus is coming back. We are sure of that. Yes, so Peter denied but he was also commissioned. And uh, he was commissioned back in Capernaum uh, near the Sea of Galilee. A picture of the Sea of Galilee right there uh, near where Peter was recommissioned. He'd gone back fishing and uh, he was there when, uh, when they found, uh, when Jesus found him there. Um, interesting thing about, uh, it's not very clear, but um, back in 1986, when the level of the um, Sea of Galilee was very low. There was a piece of timber sticking up out of the, out of the mud. And uh, so they decided that they would dig around and find it. And uh, yeah, they constructed slings and all that sort of thing to lift this old boat out of the mud and uh, lifted it up and they put all the steel structure around to hold it in place. And uh, it was uh, recognised that this boat... Uh, was some 2,000 years old. Um, 
I'm not saying for sure, but it could have been the very boat that Peter used for fishing. But it was definitely one of the boats that was used for fishing back in those days. Do you know, on this occasion, when the disciples were out fishing, they caught nothing. They were out all night, but caught no fishing, no fish. And... Uh, Jesus was standing on, the, sea, on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he said to them, cast the net into the right side of the boat and you will find some. And 153 fish were actually caught uh, that morning. You know, Jesus had said to his disciples, he said to Peter and James and John when he called them, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, when Jesus is in charge, we catch fish. And I'm talking about evangelism. When Jesus is in charge of our evangelism, when Jesus is in charge of our personal witnessing, we catch fish because Jesus is there. Well, the disciples uh, come out of the boat with their fish and uh, this is a, a part of, um, of uh, St Peter's Church there, uh, traditionally recognised as the place where Peter was uh, recommissioned. And there amongst the, amongst the stones, the pebbles on the, the edge of the uh, Sea of Galilee, the disciples saw a fire of coals and the fish on it and the bread. You know, the only other place where the word fire of coals is used in the New Testament, and that's the Greek word anthrax, the only other place is in John chapter 18 and verse 18, where Peter was warming himself by the fire of coals. So can you imagine what was going on in Peter's mind uh, as he stood beside that fire of coals? He had just walked through water and in the early morning coming from the fishing boat to where Jesus was and he needed to warm himself. What a powerful reminder uh, to Peter of his denial of him whom he had previously called the son of the living God. But Jesus stood there before, beside this fire. The previous fire was the place of Peter's denial. But here was Jesus. You know, God sometimes uh, takes us back to the place or to similar circumstance where we lost our first love for the Lord or where we began to doubt or to stray from the truth. Sometimes it's back to the place where we first made our commitment uh, to follow Christ. And the Lord uses memories of past experiences to bring us back to himself. Perhaps this is where the rubber hits the road for us today, as Jesus confronts us about our walk uh, with, uh, with him And maybe today is the place where 
Jesus commissions or recommissions us to, uh, to serve him by caring for others or sharing the gospel or any other way in which the Lord might appoint us. So there by the fire of coals, three times, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Three times he says this. And Jesus responds again, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. So next we find Peter with other disciples in Jerusalem where Jesus commissions all, where he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Peter is not disqualified because he had denied the Lord, but he is forgiven He's restored and he is recommissioned. And so we find Peter as the preacher at Pentecost, as Brooke has read the scripture to us this morning. Pentecost, that's a great day for the church, which we celebrate 50 days after Easter, and the day of the resurrection, churches around the world celebrate Pentecost. It also happens this weekend, the same weekend as uh, Shaviot, where the Jews all over the world are celebrating the great revelation of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai some 3,300 years ago. It also is the uh, festival for giving of thanks for the end of harvest. So Pentecost as a, as a great time of the year. And uh, yes, it marks the beginning of the new harvest, the celebrating the harvest of the past year. But Pentecost marks the beginning of the new harvest, the church of Jesus Christ. So Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls were added to the number of believers in Jesus. Peter's activities following his commissioning and following the day of Pentecost include three different areas. The Jerusalem activities, the Palestinian ministry and also the Syrian ministry. And very quickly through these, um, the Jerusalem ministries, activities, we find a lame man is healed. <clears throat> and um, we find that in, uh, in Acts chapter 4 that Peter and John has been, have uh, been imprisoned. Um, Peter speaks to rulers, he speaks to elders and uh, scribes. And uh, when he's finished speaking this time, uh, 5,000 people have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour. And all of this because the Holy Spirit has empowered Peter and John to challenge the establishment 
to trust Jesus for salvation. Yes, Peter's ministry has been restored. And the Palestinian ministry, and we think here of uh, um, places like um, Joppa here and Lydda, places where uh, Peter had journeyed to. He'd come across from, uh, from Jerusalem, way down across this way, and was ministering to people in Lydda. Lydda. And uh, while there, <coughs> he, um, he raised uh, the man who had been bedridden for eight years, as he said to him, Jesus Christ heals you, arise and make your bed. <coughs> the healing of Aeneas. And then while, <coughs> while um, Peter was ministering in that place in, in Lydda, uh, Dorcas, <coughs> who was named uh, Tabitha actually, Tabitha, uh, nicknamed Dorcas, uh, she, uh, she died. And the friends of Dorcas uh, sent across to Lydda uh, for Peter to come and, uh, and uh, uh, minister to them. And uh, so... Uh, the Lord used Peter to raise Dorcas from the dead too. And so it was that um, Peter stayed for many days in Joppa at the house of Simon the Tanner, uh, just in the vicinity of, uh, of Tel Aviv as it is today. There, while he was at, um, at uh, Joppa, Peter received a call to go to Caesarea, to the house of Cornelius. And so Peter was used in this occasion to open the door of the gospel uh, to the Gentiles. And this was something new. That's a feature of Peter's ministry. Then later on in Acts chapter 10, we could read there of uh, Peter being seized by Herod and put into a prison and rescued by an angel while the church prayed. So that was all in the Palestinian area, not to be confused with uh, the Gaza Strip, but uh, just out to the west of, uh, of Jerusalem. <clears throat> then there was the Syrian ministry, and this is an interesting one for Peter, with uh, Antioch as the centre there. Peter was still grappling with the relationship of Jews to Gentiles and how new life in Christ had challenged this relationship to all one in Christ, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. The Jews were to leave their trust in circumcision for salvation, and the Jews did not need, and the Gentiles did not need circumcision to become sons and daughters of God. And Peter tried to associate himself with both of these groups on their terms. And Paul regarded this as hypocritical, hindering the growth of the church's growth. <clears throat> and uh, in Galatians chapter 2, we read that, um, that uh, Paul withstood Peter to his face because he was to be blamed. Well, isn't this the job of the church family? You know, we're all family together and we see someone stumble and it's our job to go and help them and to... Uh, to perhaps point out the, the error of their way and, and, and still endeavouring to, uh, uh, to bring them back into fellowship uh, with the Lord and with his people. 
So we have in our Bibles the wonderful account of Peter's life. Such a privilege to be a follower of John the Baptist, to witness Jesus' baptism, to walk those three years with Jesus and seeing the miracles and hearing his teachings. And I'll just drop this one in. Winston Churchill said, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. And I think we could take that on board. Peter made great statements of faith and yet experienced the downfall of denying his master. Peter had seen the empty tomb. He had encounters with Jesus from time to time over the 40-year day period between the resurrection and the ascension. And Peter was obedient to Jesus' command to wait in Jerusalem for the baptising of the Holy Spirit. So made anew by the Holy Spirit and with renewed courage, God used Peter to make an impact upon the world. Some of the elements of the story may, um, some of the elements of the story we can identify in our experience of the life of our lives and the highs and the lows of, and yet we, like Peter, when we fall, we can rise again to fulfil the work God has planned for each of us. And that is the message that we take with us today and have the courage to persevere in following the Lord Jesus. Just a few verses from Peter's epistles. From 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And finally, Second Peter three, seventeen and 18. Beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brooke.